Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Welcome in, friends. We've turned the corner to spring, at least meteorologically. As we've said many times, meteorologists go by months, and the uh, three months between the three coldest months and the three warmest months are March, April, and May. So welcome to Meteorological Spring. We'll get to the equinox coming up here in um, about a week and a few days on the 20th of March. But spring is on the way, and so is our one to get out in the garden. Some areas, especially in the southeast and south-central plains and down to Texas, they're already getting into the garden. But those of us in the northeast and the Great Lakes, well, we're itching to get there. We've had some warm shots, but as we talked to Doug Oster from KDK Radio, our local and friendly gardening expert, he will tell us that uh, we need to wait a little bit longer, especially not only temperatures, but soil moisture. So important to let the ground dry out before we start really putting things in the ground itself. Still plenty we can do above ground with uh, planting some seeds and getting the garden ready. That's our first race of focus segment. Then Dan Pinowski and I will talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. I just read some statistics where they estimate that the global gardening market, the value of that passed the $100 billion U.S. dollar mark in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. And estimates are that by 2024, that uh, value of the gardening market will pass over $130 billion in U.S. dollars. And I can only imagine, actually, that that may be underdone, that forecast, especially when you look at the rampant inflation that we're suffering under. But folks are going to want to grow more in their own gardens, including vegetables and fruits and those kinds of things. And certainly uh, the uh, ornamental plants and shrubs and all that greenery is good for the soul in these uh, trying times. Well, it's time to talk about spring gardening as we got to make that turn. Some areas of the country are already underway. Others, like uh, where I live and where our guest Doug Oster from our friends at KDK Radio uh, it lives. We both live in Zone 6, and so we've got a little bit of time to wait, but I know with this warm spells here and there that we're ready to get into the garden. Let's welcome Doug Oster into Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Doug, it's good to have you back here on Everything Under the Sun as uh, we get into, well, we're excited here. I know. I am. Meteorological spring. We just go by months here in the weather office, so March, April, May. You know, uh, just for full disclosure, both Doug and I reside and work and live in Zone 6, Pittsburgh, up to State College area, Pennsylvania. And so, 
you know, we're getting a little excited because we're seeing some of our spring stuff start to push up already. But I know other parts of the country are raring to go. I just uh, got some pictures from my cousin down in Atlanta and they've got beautiful daffodils and stuff growing already and kind of jealous. Um, but, uh, you know, Doug, before we get into some questions that I have for you and some discussion, remind us where we can hear your show on KDKA and when? Every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. My motto is, if I have to get up, you should have to get up too. And uh, I hear that. And I've gotten up with you and listened to you. Uh, the nice thing about, you know, I say this a lot now. I grew up as a kid listening to my transistor radio underneath my pillow at night so I could get all these great radio stations. But now with the Odyssey app and then everything else in between, you know, you can just say to some of these smart things, you know, hey, I want to listen to KDKA. And if you do that, seven o'clock and you'll be plugged in with Doug and the crew there on KDKA talking about some of the great uh, questions of gardening. So, you know, I took your advice because here in Pennsylvania, we had an um, obscenely warm December, right, Doug? Remember how, how warm it was? And oh, I, yeah. kept, I kept planting bulbs all the way through that December because I got one of those auger things for my drill and i was just going to town and so i know that's a big passion of yours when we talked last time so here we are i got a lot of stuff pushing up i've had to do doug this last week or so as we've been seeing uh things emerge under the snow and the sleet which is finally melting away you know some places where some of those bulbs maybe i didn't get as deep as i would like or whatever has gone on with the freeze thaw in the ground and it's kind of pushed some of those up so they're starting to sprout a bit. So I've just been kind of taking like piles of dirt and then kind of doing some patchwork and putting that dirt over them to give them some cover, a couple of inches cover like they would normally do. Is that something seem like a right thing to do this time of year? When I see that, you know, frost heaving in my garden, I just kind of push them down into the soil. It's okay that they have emerged. Uh, many early spring bulbs will do that where they'll just send up, you know, the bud is still down in that bulb, but they're sending up some green saying, hey, is it time? And then, you know, we're going to get 10 degrees and they're going to think, oh, no, wait, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> right. Uh, but what you're doing is is fine, but just do it lightly. You know, uh, the, the what's coming up is is you don't want to crack that off. You, you know, right, that right. that's going to help the plant. And so, yeah, in my case, you know, I was walking out the other day and I saw some uh, tulips that had done that. And I just kind of gently pushed them down in the ground, but I left that little green part up. So, but you know, they're tough as nails. That's the thing. And they've been through this so many times before where spring can be this wide ranging, you know, well, you know, better than anybody (laughs) how March can be. And so, you know, people, this is the time of the year I get lots of questions. They're, They're so, people are so worried about their bulbs coming up, but that's just what they do and they'll be fine. And there's really not much you can do to, to prevent them from following what they're feeling as far as the weather is concerned. Right. And some of that's light driven. I mean, I'm so loving the fact that the uh, sunrises are a little earlier and earlier till the government takes that away from me here in a couple of days, right? With the clock change time. And then we're kind of playing catch up. I mean, it's the same amount of light. It's just to me, I don't like to move it. Like, let's just let it go natural. That would be imagine if you had to work at seven in the morning and they change the clock on you, (laughs) you know, it's uh, right. Or get up at four or three in the morning. Right. It's just, it's just, it's just a little jarring. And, and I know all that kind of stuff, but what is really cool is the response and, and to see some of the things like, you know, I have a lot of Oriental poppies. That's been a passion of mine the last couple of years and to see 
you know, they were thriving in December when we were like 10, 15 degrees above average. And of course, after uh, these uh, iciness goes away, you know, you still see those vestiges of green and you think, how did that do that all all winter long? And, it, and it's pretty cool. There's a tendency, I think, this time of year, Doug, for folks to try to do too much too early. And one of the things that I try to do is really talk to the people that I trust that own good uh, you know, greenhouses and those kinds of things about when they think I should be putting stuff in the ground. And I think everybody's different. I mean, even within a zone, even in one of these numbered zones, there can be a variance of several weeks where it feels safe to put stuff in. So talk a little bit about that. Well, the first thing is, is that you never want to get into the soil when it's too wet. And that's the most dangerous thing when we get to this part of the year where you might get, wherever you are in the country, you might get three or four days where, and especially if you're not an experienced gardener, you get three or four days where you get 60, 70 degrees and you're like, oh, I got to get my garden turned over. I always tell people, if you put that shovel in there, you turn that soil over and it sticks to the shovel, it's too soon to dig. This is this is critical because if you do start turning it over when it's too wet and it's you know it has clay in it, it will dry into these bricks that will bother you the entire season. So if you're anxious to get started and your soil's too wet, I always just get a couple bags of compost and just throw that on top of the bed. And now I have an instant garden basically to plant in. As far as when you want to throw your seeds into the garden outdoors, no matter where you are in the country, there's a lot of people that do winter sowing where hard shelled seeds like spinach and lettuce and radishes, you could seriously put in no matter where you are in the country right now, and they will just sprout when they're ready. Uh, they're not going to rot. And so that's one of the ways that people get started early. Just they're, they're so anxious to get out there like me <laughs> uh, that we'll do a little bit of winter sowing. As far as putting plants in the ground, you know, it's about choosing the right plants. Believe it or not, I've got plants that sat out there all winter long, uh, vegetable plants, just under a little bit of protection by choosing the right plant. And so, you know, something like a uh, arugula or a spinach or a lettuce, as soon as your nursery has it available, it's okay to go in. And again, it's, it's all about where you are in the country, you know, what zone you're in. And also talking to some of your garden friends, like when do you put in your cool weather crops? Learning that from where your zone is will make things so much easier for you. Um, one of our meteorologists asked me to ask you, his name is Dan Pinowski, and he says, I really can get lettuce to go crazy from seed, but I haven't been successful to do that with my spinach. Any advice for getting spinach to grow better? You know, so in, in our in zone five, six, the, the hardest thing about spinach is that once it gets hot, the spinach will do something called bolting, which means that it just, it goes to seed. It stops growing. It's like, it panics. It's like, oh my gosh, it's getting hot. I need to create my seed. When that happens, the leaves become bitter and inedible. And so the, the number one thing for spinach is starting as early as possible, get it, getting it sprouted as soon as possible. And then to think about another crop of spinach later in the season. Spinach is a tough one. And the other thing that I recommend people, you know, you got to have your regular old spinach. That's just great. And it, it, again, it's going to depend on what spring brings us. You get three to, three 
days of 80 degrees in April, May, it, it's gone. But there are spinach substitutes also. There's a, a vining crop called Malabar spinach. It's not really spinach, but it it's green. It's got glossy heart-shaped leaves. It loves heat and it tastes kind of like spinach. But the most, the best success I have actually is, is fall planting my spinach at the end of the season as it gets cooler. You get a longer harvest out of that. And many times the spinach will winter over. And when it does winter over, you get this longer period of, of harvest where you're harvesting in April, where you probably couldn't even get the stuff started in our climate till probably May, I'm sorry, March 17 to 30, somewhere in there where you'd be putting your seeds in and even right. then you'd be pushing it. I learned the joys of that aspect too. You know, I think so many people will get a little hasty about putting stuff in the ground. Some of my friends here where I live in State College, I mean, they, they don't really want much in the ground before Memorial Day. And I kind of, you know, <laughs> that that to me is a little late, but you can have the joy of starting this stuff, some, you know, both vegetables and ornamental plants and stuff like that in in by seeds. And, you know, there's there's really good charts, Doug, out there that you can look at your zone when stuff's supposed to go in the ground and when then you can back up in time to start the seed process. And I think that gets even more rewarding, right? Than actually just going and buying something that's matured, you know, into the three or four month range that you then plop into the ground. This, you see that process go even from that very first little uh, sprout coming up. It, it's really rewarding. And I think people, I think that was a big push the last couple of years with the pandemic when people had more time to be around their houses where we saw more of that. And I think that uh, trend continues to grow because it is so rewarding, right? You know, starting from seed, first off, for cheapskates like me, you're saving money. Secondly, you're going to be able to find things that no one else is growing that you're never going to find in the nursery. You know, nurseries have lots of good stuff, but you might fall in love with something that's unique that you can uh, that you can plant. But also, w- echoing on what you said, there is that wonderful feeling of seeing this go from that tiny seed to fruition in such a short time, just over the summer that is so rewarding and growing from seed is so easy. Uh, The number one thing is get some kind of light source. Nowadays, that means LED. You can get just a strip of LED that has, it's magnetized. You can stick up on a cabinet and you don't have to have a four by eight table filled with flats. Right. You can have a couple little pots. As long as you've got drainage, you've got some seed starting mix and some good light you can do this and you will be surprised at the quality of plants that you'll be able to grow because you're taking such personal care of them. You know, I, I think for most people, it's tomatoes, you know, that they start their own tomatoes. And again, there's, you know, a thousand different types of tomatoes. And when you fall in love with a certain type, uh, you'll be growing those out. You'll put your two or three in and then you'll have 10 or 12 to give to all your friends. That's another part of it too. Whenever you start from seed, you always have extra plants. In my case, I have an unheated greenhouse. That thing is filled from top to bottom <laughs> with plants. And, and you know, you would think, uh, I don't know, there's just a line of cars about the third <laughs> week of May coming up right. the driveway. Like, hey, you got any tomato plants? <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
I, I, I need to find that address, Doug, so I can come out to see you. <laughs> You're going to have to um, drive from State College. Yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, it's only a couple <laughs> of hours down the road. Uh, friends, a reminder, we're talking to Doug Oster. He's the uh, host of the Organic Gardeners radio show on KDKA Radio, one of our great partners here at AccuWeather. Every Sunday morning, 7 a.m., you can go to the Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y app and listen to him there. And you can also go to his website, Doug Oster. D-O-U-G-O-S-T-E-R.com. And there's links there to listen to that uh, show on demand and all kinds of other great information I have checked out uh, since the last visit with Doug. And we're happy to have him here again on Everything Under the Sun. Here's a question from one of our meteorologists, Alan Reppard. Do any vegetable plants or things that are typically grown around a house cause pollen problems in people? If so, what is the worst offender? He's not thinking about, you know, like normally we talk about tree pollen and maybe some of the ornamental plants that could have some pollen issues with people. But is there other things that are pollen producers that, you know, that we may take for granted and we should be a little bit more uh, cognizant about, Doug? Does that let me let me start with one that gets a bad rap and it, it blooms later in the season. It's called goldenrod. People think that they're getting allergies from goldenrod it's not goldenrod it's, it's ragweed it's the ragweed right which don't you isn't pretty right the goldenrod itself is pretty and is not the offender but the two go hand in hand and so the one gets a bad rap and we want to leave the goldenrod because it is a great plant for pollinators you know we're always talking about trying to grow for pollinators and that goldenrod provides food for them at the end of the season but probably the thing growing around our house that has uh, the most pollen problems are lilies I'm I'm obsessed with lilies, right? And so I was out there one day working on them, and I went, you know, and then then got in the car and went to the nursery. And my buddy's looking at me, and he's like, uh, "Are you going anywhere, like speaking or anything?" I said, "No, why?" He goes, "Because you got pollen all over your face, <laughs> <laughs> nice. like a yellow yellow pollen." Yeah. You know, when I was getting oh, close and, to smell it, with the lilies, it, that's really clumpy too. Some of those uh, stems. Oh yeah, they have in there. So that would probably be the number one offender i would think other than that you know as far as vegetables are concerned no worries there uh for the most part but yeah when you get to some of the flowers you'll get uh, and lilies especially i really enjoy feeding birds and um the problem becomes the hulls of the sunflower seeds have an enzyme which creates issues for plants um, much as black walnuts do too, right? Things don't grow well around black walnut trees. So, I mean, I've mitigated that some with uh, boxwoods seem to be uh, good in that area. They don't uh, do well. And I've, a couple of other things. Do you have any other mitigation? Because it's hard because, I mean, it's not so much necessarily about the seeds, but it's the waste. Now, yes, I could use Hollis <laughs> seed, but you're a cheapskate, Doug. I'm a cheapskate. That stuff's expensive. I mean, so is there is there some kind of balance I could uh, do there in terms of are there are there some good plants to use around that that aren't affected necessarily by the sunflower issues? So, so let's first think of the the cost factor. When you're buying 50 pounds of black oil sunflower seeds, remember that you're paying for all that the shell, and so even though. I know what you're talking about. Oh, I hear you, brother. So you're going to tell me that it may. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to tell you a couple other things. I'm going to okay. I'm, every once in a while, I'll buy a big bag of the hullless, you know. So do I. I balance. I don't. I, I don't go one way or the other. I do balance both. But 
I mean, inevitably, I think it, some of these good mixes have some of the of the hauled ones anyway, you know. But uh, one thing to consider, and I, I don't know if you like this one, is is a baffle underneath, a, 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 a baffle turned up so that so much doesn't go down. In my case, I'm just like you. I love feeding the birds, but I'm not growing anything underneath my bird feeder. Uh, right. I do have a bird feeder in the corner of the vegetable garden, but it's it's you know it's above like a uh, a place where you sit, and so right. uh, like you said, there there are not many plants that will really do their thing there. Like you said, the toughest ones, like a boxwood, something like that. Even though we're seeing the, the problem with boxwoods now, we're starting to see a boxwood boxwood blight, which is uh, is problematic because it's it's such a great plant for us, especially when you have deer issues. Uh, but other than that, it's it's for me, it's just like. People often ask me, what can I grow underneath a maple tree, underneath a pine tree, underneath a <laughs> bird feeder? I say a bench. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the simplest thing. Um, yeah, I also I bought one of those. Actually, it hooks onto the base of the one feeder. So it becomes a bevel and kind of goes with the feeder itself. So it catches a lot of it, except when two or three doves get on and then it goes topsy-turvy oh, and, yeah. and then the seeds go all over the place. So um, I, that's good advice. What are, what are some other things right now, Doug, that you would tell people who are itching and ready to go? I think, you know, making sure things are cleaned up. Um, this is, you know, contrary to some people's belief, if you've got the uh, hydrangeas that uh, keep producing all summer long, this is actually the best time to, do some pruning if you want to cut back to shape a little bit better and then wait a little longer till you start to see, make sure that you're not taking any of the, of the new, the new blooms away, but this is actually a good time to prune those things. And uh, what else could be pruned and cleaned up here as we're itching to get out in the garden? Well, when it comes to pruning, we're at the, in our zone, we're at the end of pruning for dormant plants and, the most concerning for, for us in the East is oak trees. We cannot prune oak trees when they're in active growth now because there's a, a disease called oak wilt, and that's how it gets into the plant. So if you do have oaks that need to be pruned, we're into the last month of doing that. As far as your hydrangeas are concerned, there are there, there's so many different types of hydrangeas. Right. You just have to be very careful. I, I just answered a question where somebody was saying, my hydrangea never blooms, and I asked about the pruning. And they're, they're talking about a type that puts on buds right after it flowers. They were cutting it to the ground oh, every year. Amazing. So you're right. cutting the buds off. Some right. hydrangeas you can do that with. Yep. The other things that we're concerned with with pruning is spring bloomers, uh, azaleas, rhododendrons, dogwoods, anything that has a bud on it already. Now, if it's in the way or if it's dead wood, you can take it off. But remember that you're going to be taking your flowers off. But with uh, oaks and elms, we're running out of time. If someone ever comes to your house during the summer and you live in the East and says, oh, this is a good time to cut your oak, just send them packing uh, because I see it all the time. And if oak wilt it gets into one of your oak trees, it's, it's, it's going to eventually work its way through the oak forest. You, you're, you're not going to lose every oak tree, but you're going to lose one or two a year. And that, you know, and if you're going to treat them, it's going to be expensive. And if you're going to cut them down, it's going to be expensive. So it's just critical with pruning for oaks and, of course, elms with Dutch elm disease. 
All right. Well, I think I've gone through the things that I wanted to talk about. I know it's early, but this is a good time to kind of get in the mindset. I think uh, we'll maybe circle back when we get uh, maybe into some more actionable time there, April and late April, where people more across the country can be uh, getting their their hands dirty a little bit. I'm excited. I've got uh, nice eyes going on all of my uh, Ito uh, peonies and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just an exciting time of year. The, the only thing I would concerned about the long range folks are telling me, you know, we're going to get some surges of warmth here, Doug. But there's one more big shot of cold air for April. And that's a tough time sometimes when things are, you know, just kind of getting going for us around here. So just keep that in mind. And uh, I'll give you that as a little weather word to the wise here. So as we go, that, that's when we start talking about magnolias will break your heart. Yes, sir. Uh, because magnolias, the buds will swell and we'll get one of those. We had it last year here yeah. in, in our area where the buds were all swollen, ready to open and zapped. But that's, that's that, this is all part of gardening. And it's something that people shouldn't worry about. There, you know, if you have a big magnolia tree or these other plants that are p- poking up, yeah, you might get some bud freeze on them, but the next year you won't. This is just, that, that's why we grow lots of different things. Exactly. And, and for gardening, we have to understand Mother Nature is always in charge. <laughs> yes. We uh like we say in the weather office, we can't beat it. We can just hope for a tie, right? And that's <laughs> kind of what we do in gardening. Doug again, 7 a.m. Sunday mornings on the great radio station now on FM 100.1 FM and AM 1020, the mighty KDK in Pittsburgh. We'll catch you there. I may have to call in and talk to you one of these days on KDK. That'd be fun on some Sunday morning. You know what? This is the perfect time to do that, to tell you the truth, because the callers haven't started going crazy quite yet. You get to a certain point. We get a couple weeks down the road. You won't get through. But I'll tell you what, if you're up some Sunday morning, call. We'll talk for a half hour. (laughs) Sounds good, Doug. (laughs) Appreciate the time. Doug Oster from KDK. Thank you. You can follow Doug on his website, DougOster.com, and his Twitter is DougOster1, D-O-U-G-O-S-T-E-R-1. You can certainly uh, get those uh, information and that information in our notes section of our podcast as well. We'll take a break, come back, and talk to a fellow friend and avid gardener and fellow meteorologist Dan Pitanowski about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. This is our opening episode in the spring series of 2022. From everything under the sun, from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we roll into this first episode of Spring 2022. Just got done talking with our gardening friend, Doug Oster from KDK Radio, and I bring in another gardening friend who's also a meteorologist here at AccuWeather, and that's our friend Dan Pidnanowski, who uh, Danny uh, is as avid a gardener and bird feeder and uh, outdoors sometimes as I am, and so we have a lot of good discussions behind the scene, and I know... Danny, you're getting excited, too, because these longer days are certainly mounting up. The earlier sunrises, I know all my spring stuff is really pushing right now, and it looks like uh, it's going to be full speed ahead before we know it, with daffodils and 
tulips and those kinds of things. And I know you share a passion for gardening and stuff, you and your wife, Chrissy, who also works for AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com. So uh, I know gardening's right up your alley. Uh, just some thoughts. You know, Doug said about how the moisture content in the soil is a big, big impediment to people maybe trying to rush things in. And it looks like a lot of folks are going to get a lot of chance at some big precipitation, some of it wintry, some of it spring-like here as we go into this upcoming weekend. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you try planting too early in that soggy soil. It's uh, still on the cool side. And especially my garden, I have it in the backyard, which is on the north side of the house. So it takes a while to get enough sun uh, to the point where I can even plant some of the early stuff like lettuce. So uh, maybe another month or so away, but uh, already the signs of spring uh, with uh, you were talking about the, the feeding the birds and you see a, a increase in birds and you see uh, they're eating a lot more food now. So you can tell they're getting ready to uh, uh, to start their nesting seasons and uh, build up their energy. Yeah, without a doubt, uh, they're definitely more active and, and certainly they're certainly louder earlier too and uh you know here we go with the last weekend ahead before the time change so still the earlier sunshine uh, sunrises and uh, later sunsets here but we'll be shifting that the following weekend but what we're doing too this weekend dan is shifting the weather pattern we had kind of push the easy button for folks in the East and the Great Lakes who had been kind of just in this cyclical pattern of, you know, storm and then somewhat of a warm up and then storm. And then we kind of eased off. There were a couple of little just reinforcing shots of some kind of clipperish type systems going through there. But as we set up for this weekend, we got a big push of cold air in the Western part of the country, that jet stream all the way down to the United States, uh, Mexican border there in the West and then that cold air starts to spawn a storm that will bring snow from the Intermountain Rockies all the way through Denver. And then it looks like snow in winter through parts of um, the Upper Plains and Upper Great Lakes. I think places like Chicago and Detroit. So we get into Monday, start as rain, maybe going over to snow. And we take that into the New England area early next week, too. So and then the other thing is we're going to talk about is a lot of severe weather threats that aren't looking as maybe as strong as we thought just a couple of days ago in parts of the middle of the country. Let's start with that storm out West this weekend, things getting going with some snow in the, in the, in the West there in the Rockies, how much for Denver, a place like that this weekend. Yeah, that's right. If you were up overnight Thursday night in San Diego, you actually would have heard thunder. We've had a thunder and lightning in SoCal early this morning. And you're right, Dean, that's a sign of things to come is all that energy in the jet stream in SoCal ejects eastward across the Rockies and eventually across the uh, upper plains and into the upper Midwest and Western Great Lakes by uh, Saturday into Saturday night. This doesn't look like a huge storm for Denver. Uh, you know, some light snow maybe breaking out Friday night into Saturday, uh, maybe a general a coating to an inch or two. I, I think given the storm track, if you go farther north up I-25, uh, up towards Cheyenne and up into Wyoming, in the Black Hills, certainly of uh, western South Dakota, that's where you're going to see your heaviest snow amounts uh, from this first piece, but a little bit of snow to whiten the ground by the time you wake up Saturday morning uh, in Denver and along the Front Range nonetheless. And then as we uh, go on farther in that storm, as the first piece rolls through, as you said, and then there's kind of a second piece that is going to start to bring some rain and thunderstorms uh, later on in the weekend. Now, it looks like there's still some severe weather threat on Saturday. It's uh, confined mainly to the northern parts of Missouri and up into parts of Iowa, I think, as you go 
in those areas and maybe into the southern parts of uh, Minnesota. Um, just some general showers and thunderstorms as you get into Saturday night for St. Louis. They're going to rock it up again. The southern part of that could get well up into the 70s to near 80s. Then some showers and thunderstorms. And then the severe weather threat on Sunday is southern Missouri down through the Arc, uh, Arkansas area. And those areas with some heavy showers and thunderstorms into places like western Tennessee and into uh, Mississippi. So um, kind of a, a situation you know, the, the Saturday piece just does not look as threatening as it did a couple of days ago, Danny, in the modeling. And I mean, that's a good news, bad news situation. Good news for the folks on the ground. Bad news is that it tells me that, you know, we're going to be catching some of these severe weather events by lightning, you know, it, to pardon the pun, that there's going to be things in the modeling that look good two or three days out. We see them fizzle. And then there's going to be things that don't look good two or three days out and may explode on us just, uh, you know, later in the modeling cycle. I think it's going to be a tough few weeks in the middle of the country there where we're going to see very active, severe storms. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And of course, March is always a challenging a month to forecast in general. You're uh, starting to head towards spring. So you're at the tail end of winter, you're getting into spring. So transition season is always challenging. A lot of these storms, you're right bring a, a variety of threats, snow and severe weather. Severe weather set up, it looks like mainly Iowa tomorrow into tomorrow evening, maybe southeast Minnesota, southwest Wisconsin, far northwestern Illinois, and maybe far eastern Nebraska, a place like Omaha. Uh, the instability is not overwhelming, and the dew points aren't all that high, only getting up into the you know mid to upper 50s. So not a ton of low-level moisture, but uh, it's a pretty potent surface low, uh, under 1,000 millibars. You've got a lot of wind aloft, good low-level jet. And so near that triple point, near the actual surface low where the cold and warm front come together, that's where you have your, your greatest amount of directional shear, which covers a lot of the state of Iowa. So yep. if you're going to get uh, some severe weather in terms of uh, some wind gusts, I think even hail is is at least a marginal threat. And there's enough shear that I don't think you can rule out a, a couple tornadoes spinning up. So it might not be widespread in, in, in terms of a severe weather outbreak and not a ton of instability, but I think you have enough dynamics and enough rotation, enough shear aloft that you're going to see at least something try to develop later tomorrow. Yeah. And, and again, I would just uh, caution, like just that very Northern tier of Missouri counties too, would be in that area too, where that'd be a little suspect that, you know, really depends where that point is. And this is a, a situation where, uh, again, that uh, key is where all that sets up. And that's when your app is really your friend, your AccuWeather app, because if you're in that zone, you want to be sure you're continuing to check that. And then that zone shifts, like we said, a little farther south. We were talking about Saturday there, and then we're into Sunday, late Sunday, Sunday night, and there looks like there's some problems. Southern parts of Missouri, and where's the the best likelihood for some uh, rotation and some problems in that second batch on Sunday, Dan? Yeah, that's right. The boundary sags southward uh, uh, behind the first storm on Sunday. Then another wave of low pressure develops along it. Uh, so south of that wave of low pressure where you get into the warm sector, or the unstable air, uh, that's where you're going to see this threat for severe weather. Uh, first probably begins Sunday afternoon. I think the southern third of Missouri, places like Springfield, and then getting down in, into the Ozarks, a lot of Arkansas, uh, a lot of the eastern half of Oklahoma, and maybe down into far northern uh, Texas, uh, far northern Louisiana. Indiana, could include the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, where storms could develop Sunday afternoon and, and continue into Sunday night. 
I do think, though, by the time you get into later Sunday night and especially into Monday, as all this shifts eastward into the mid-Mississippi and Ohio and Tennessee valleys, uh, this is going to morph, I think, more into a a heavy rain and flood threat where a lot of the rain in storms are going to end up developing uh, on on the north side of the frontal boundary. So you're in the more stable air mass. So while you could see some thunderstorms and some uh, elevated instability, I think heavy rain and some flash flooding in a part of the country that's already been pretty soggy could end up being the main threat uh, for places like uh, Louisville or Columbus or or, uh, Evansville, Indiana, uh, by the time you you head into later Sunday into Monday. And then all this starts shifting eastward. Right, Dan. Then it shifts up into the northeast of New England and it uh, will be a problem for them. In fact, some of the interior parts of New England could see uh, some rain over to snow as we get later Monday into Tuesday. So that's something we'll certainly watch there. Dan Pitanowski, thanks for joining me on Everything Under the Sun as we uh, take a look at the weather for this upcoming weekend and week beyond. So a lot of activity to come. A lot of things. Uh, again, if you're in areas that you can get in the garden and do some things, please do. It looks like an amazing weekend in the southeast. and parts of the southwest but other parts of the country will have some challenges so make sure you're checking in with our accuweather app to weatherproof your life our accuweather.com website and our accuweather network accuweather now and all the places with our great accuweather partners that can you can get the accuweather forecasts thanks to doug and thanks to dan and thanks to you our listeners and thanks to our hundreds of team members from across the world who work hard every day to weatherproof your life here at AccuWeather.com. We'll be back next week, episode two of the second week of March in the second spring episode of our spring series here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 